Beginning in 1942, Navajo men began using their native language to send coded messages in combat during World War II. The role they played in those battles in the Pacific was not known until 26 years after the conclusion of the war. Today, we know them as Code Talkers, and on this edition of the Scenic Route, Andrew McCray visits with one of them, Roy Hawthorne, who lives near Lepton, Arizona. I know we've visited before, and I remember big chunks of this, I think, but if I remember right, you were born, you were the, one of the first babies born in a hospital right up there. Yeah, uh, yes. Like, and, take and, us back and tell us kind of how you got started, I guess, in life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, that is correct. I was, uh, I was uh, one of the first uh, to be born in uh, Ganado, Arizona, which is uh, about uh, 30 miles from, from this location. And at that time, the, the Presbyterians had a hospital and a school there. And uh, so uh, how I got to be born there, of course, I, I don't know, but I know that I was. But I want to emphasize the fact that I wasn't sick. It wasn't why I was born in the hospital. <laughs> Sure, sure. Well, you grew up then here, uh, your family, were you farming here in the area, or what was your family growing uh, up years? Uh, my family um, did um, buying and selling of uh, uh, Navajo arts and crafts, and uh, that was a big business back in that day, and still is to some extent, yeah, yeah. but that's, uh, that's what they did. And, and then, then of course, uh, in addition to that, uh, uh, we had uh, flocks of uh, sheep, uh, sheeps, <laughs> and horses, and so forth. Uh, but then, when <clears throat> when uh, the Indian Commissioner of Indian Affairs of the Interior, I believe, was his title. His name was John Collier, and uh, he. Uh, he did whatever they do, whatever politicians do, uh, to get their way. And, and so he reduced. He, he had a bill to reduce uh, the uh, uh, stock because he said it was because of overgrazing. But uh, there are at least two books, one by one by himself, uh, Mr. Collier, uh, that talk about uh, what happened to bring about uh, the reduction in livestock, uh, allegedly because of overgrazing. And that was uh, that uh, they were building the, uh, the uh, boulder, I believe it's called a boulder dam. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they, uh, they claimed that uh, a lot of dust was coming up from this part of the country. And and uh, the uh, uh, some of the some of the people uh, in Washington were concerned with uh, erosion, and they said that's going to cause a lot of erosion. So uh, Mr. Collier said uh, we can fix that. Uh, we'll reduce the livestock, and there won't be so much erosion. That's uh, one of the stories. Okay. Okay. Well, when you were growing up. Because of course we'll get to World War II and, and the language. Were you was the Navajo language being still spoken a lot, or were they trying to discourage young people from speaking the language when you were growing up? Uh, that uh, discourage uh, syndrome was still in effect, and uh, the uh, boarding schools were the main implement that the federal government was using to uh, discourage uh, speaking Native American languages. It wasn't just with the Navajo, but it was with every tribe. And of course, the, uh, the, uh, the teachers and most of the administrators of the boarding schools were not fully aware of what was happening. I mean, they got their orders to, uh, to uh, restrict, uh, totally restrict uh, Navajo, be, uh, rather, Native American languages being spoken, and uh, uh, like like in the military, you don't ask why. <laughs> Just, what it is. Just do it. What, were you going to a boarding school then? Uh, I was. And so you were you were told never to speak. Don't don't speak uh, your native language. If you did, well, there was uh, dire consequences that uh, 
you could expect. Uh, but were you still speaking it then at home? Is that how you still knew the language and so forth? Uh, uh, in, in my home, we spoke both English and Navajo. And that was true of, uh, of uh, Navajos that uh, lived in this area because of the high traffic of, uh, of non-Indian people. Okay, and if I remember correctly, was there? There's not a written version of the language. Is it only? Uh, there, there is a. It is written uh, now. Oh, a, written, yes, it is now. But back then, was back it? back then, it wasn't. Okay. Uh, the uh, uh, the Catholics uh, devised uh, some form of writing, but nobody could read it. I mean, even the guy that that devised it. Uh, Wondered, well, what in the world is this all about? <laughs> well, at, before World War II, if I remember correctly, there were very, very few people outside of this area that could speak the language. Is that right? Uh, it is said that uh, only about 30 uh, Navajo traders spoke the language. And I suppose that uh, that is true. Outside of the... The Navajos themselves, yeah. right? Yeah. And that maybe were there some uh, Germans had come to study the language or something at some yeah, point. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's right. Uh, the uh, the German universities, colleges, sent uh, uh, their professors over to this country to study Native American languages. They didn't come out here because uh, actually nobody came out here. Except, except if you had to, like uh, like people that traded with the Navajos, because uh, the infrastructure was there wasn't any. I mean, there was no roads, uh, no hardly any water, uh, no electricity, uh, no communications, uh, except uh, maybe a government-run uh, radio, which was uh, not very effective, and so. Uh, the German professors didn't want that kind of a life. That wasn't the life they were accustomed to, and so they didn't come. Yeah, which yeah, you know, uh, uh, God has His hand in everything, and 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 God had it all planned out that uh, this language was going to be used to help win the war for democracy, and in order to do that there'd have to be a language that uh, nobody could understand except the Navajos themselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me go back for just a moment, talk about how then you got involved in, in the military, and then we'll get over to how the, the code talking came into it. But did you volunteer then, or how did you get into the military for World War II? I, I did volunteer, yes. Uh, the, uh, uh, one of my older brothers... Uh, was the first to uh, go into the military. He went in right after uh, uh, December 7th, and he was in the Army. Uh, and uh, then uh, uh, all of us, I'm talking about my, myself and my brothers, uh, we wanted to be in the military. And uh, so when the time came, uh, we, we volunteered. Uh, uh, two of my brothers had already been, well, all three of them had already uh, entered the uh, military. And uh, when, uh, when I became 17, then uh, I really wanted to volunteer. And uh, so I did. Uh, but uh, I didn't know anything about the Marine Corps. Uh, and uh, I knew something about the Navy. But what I knew about the Navy was from, um, uh, can't think of the author's name, but uh, to a, what was it, 20,000 Leagues yeah, Under yeah, the yeah. Sea? Jules Verne. Jules Verne, yeah, Jules Verne yeah. yes. And uh, uh, what, what he wrote was what I knew about the Navy. And it sounded like something that uh, was really adventurous. And uh, I was, and I went. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think when I visited with you before, we talked about this, but why... Why did so many young Navajo men 
volunteer because I could see that there could be animosity towards the government because so many had been moved off their land a generation or two before, but yet you had, it seems like a patriotic spirit or so forth. Did that seem, to me, it seems like that there would have maybe been some reasons you wouldn't want to volunteer, but to you it seems like it, <laughs> yeah. it was never a question. Well, uh, uh, it seems to me there are two, uh, two reasons. Uh, the uh, first one would be that the, uh, the Navajo is, uh, is firmly attached to the land. I mean, without the land, he isn't any, anything. And uh, so uh, the, uh, the uh, idea that we had was that uh, nobody's going to take this land from us. And uh, that idea still exists. And uh, so when, uh, when the Germans, uh, rather the, uh, the Japanese attacked, uh, uh, Navajos all across the uh, Navajo country uh, wanted to volunteer uh, to uh, keep the uh, Japanese from uh, taking Navajo land. And uh, that, uh, that was uh, probably the main reason. Uh, a more secondary reason was more economic. I mean, uh, one of the code talkers, he was uh, older. Uh, he, was, uh, he was probably 30 years old. And uh, so uh, he got in, in the Marine Corps uh, by uh, uh, falsifying his age. Uh, and uh, so uh, he had been working uh, for, uh, uh, for the government in some, some, some form or another, but he got fired. And so he and one of his friends were sitting around uh, just uh, wondering what's going to happen, what they're going to do. And he heard about uh, the fact that the Marine Corps was uh, enlisting volunteers. And so he said, uh, that's what we'll do. He said, it's better to be killed in a war than to starve to death here. And that's why he went in. And, and uh, many of them did that. But, uh, but the main reason was uh, a patriotic reason. And of course, uh, it wasn't just to protect the uh, Navajo land, but uh, the whole country. Sure, sure. Well, when the first Navajo and, and, and when the wars began, the idea of code talkers, though, how far into the war were we before? It kind of give me that, how that ever came about and how they figured out that they could use the language to, to be able to use it more. Well, the... Uh, the, uh, the Japanese were winning the war uh, during the first year of, uh, what was it, 41. And uh, there was a man by the name of uh, Philip Johnston uh, who had toyed with the idea of using Navajo language as a communication uh, device uh, clear back uh, in uh, during World War I. Uh, and uh, he, he, he couldn't get rid of that idea. So when, uh, when he would hear the reports coming from uh, the Pacific Theater of War uh, that would uh, tell that the Japanese were winning uh, in, in every instance, every day, uh, it revived that thought of uh, having an unbreakable code because they were winning because they could break our codes on a daily basis. And so uh, uh, he, uh, he uh, was successful in convincing uh, the Marine Corps uh, hierarchy that uh, this would be a good thing. Uh, he convinced them, but they said, we don't think it'll work because it hadn't worked before. You see, that before thing, it actually, there was actually some, uh, some uh, field tests with other tribes. And uh, other tribes like the Comanches and some others uh, had, uh, they, they had uh, tried those tribal languages, uh, but uh, they didn't succeed because uh, a tribal language doesn't have words for, uh, for modern military uh, things. 
and so it didn't work. Uh, and so, uh, so the Marine Corps uh, officer said uh, it, it didn't work before and it won't work now. But if you want to, you can go ahead and set up a demonstration. Well, he wanted to, and he did, and that demonstration was uh, successful. There were Navajos working in uh, Los Angeles, so he uh, recruited uh, four of them uh, to set up this, this test. And uh, so uh, they, they gathered at uh, Camp Pendleton, and uh, the test was set up. Uh, the message uh, was written in English by one of the officers given to the, to, to the Navajo that was to send it. Uh, he sent it uh, in the Navajo language. Uh, another Navajo received it uh, in the Navajo language, but he wrote it down in English. Uh, just immediately prior to, uh, to the transmission of the, of the message, uh, the Navajo said, well, uh, we'll need about uh, 30, 40 minutes to uh, kind of get oriented here uh, because uh, we need to devise some words uh, that will describe things like uh, machine guns and dive bombers and so forth. So they said, go ahead and you got 30 minutes. So they did, and uh, the message uh, was sent and received. Uh, the officers uh, took a look at it, and it was, uh, it was uh, uh, without error, no error at all. And uh, another thing that convinced them that it might, it might work was the fact that it took zero time encoding, zero time decoding. But they still said, you know, uh, people are skeptical uh, of a lot of things, and uh, probably rightfully so. But they said it won't work. But uh, 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 finally, uh, the uh, I believe it was the Congress or somebody that does those things uh, allotted uh, a test uh, of uh, I believe it was uh, I believe it was 400. I'm not I'm not sure about that. Uh, uh, Navajos to be recruited to train as uh, uh, communicators. Uh, but uh, uh, that 400 was reduced to 30. He said, well, you don't need 30, 100, uh, 30. Uh, you don't need four, 400 for a test, uh, but uh, you go ahead with 30. 29 responded, and uh, uh, that's where it got started. Huh. So when you entered, were you <coughs> one of the 30, or did, where did you come into the, the picture when you joined the well, uh, I wasn't one of the 30. I, in one way, I would like to have been. But in, in another way, I'm glad I wasn't because all that 30, they're all dead. <laughs> and so, uh, so uh, no, I, I wasn't one of the 30. But uh, 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 there was probably uh, one other group after the original 30, uh, one other group. And I wasn't a member of that group either, but uh, say the the third group, which wasn't really a group. I mean, it it was just uh, uh, individuals coming in into the Marine Corps uh, at uh, different times, and that's the group I was with. And so, when you joined, did you have any idea that's what you were going to do, or was it after you got in they said? Hey, we want to recruit you for this. I uh, had no idea. Uh, well, uh, the, this fellow that said it's better to, to die in a war than to starve to death, uh, 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 he also said, uh, <laughs> what was he said? I forgot what he, what he said, but uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know what he said. Maybe I, maybe we come yeah. get back to that. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, uh, what were we talking about? Well, how did you, how did you get involved, or did they come oh. to you, or how did you get oh. involved in the program? Uh, oh, uh, um, well, uh, uh, they uh, there was uh, out of the uh, out of the first twenty nine, they were uh, selected uh, uh, several to be recruiters. And they came 
to the Navajo country recruiting. And uh, so uh, I believe it was uh, the, same, the same guy that said it's better to die on the battlefield than to starve to death. Uh, he saw uh, the recruiter, his Navajo uh, recruiter, and uh, he really liked what he saw. And he said, that's what I want to be. And uh, so uh, that's the way a lot of, a lot of the Navajos uh, learned about the Marine Corps. And uh, they wanted to wear that uniform. And so that was another uh, motivation uh, for them. And uh, so uh, 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 those that were recruited, uh, most all of them were volunteers. Uh, a few were drafted, but uh, most all were volunteers. Yeah. And uh, uh, the... Uh, the uh, information that was given uh, by the recruiters was that uh, the, uh, uh, the United States uh, wanted Navajos uh, for a special assignment. And uh, uh, so uh, this uh, guy that would rather be killed on the battlefield and starved to death, uh, he... Uh, uh, he, um, what did he do? He did something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, whatever it was. But when you got in then, did you have, did they, I guess they had some special training for you to be able to, because the language had been kind of encoded uh, that bombs were eggs or potatoes or so forth, if I remember correctly. Did you have to go through some training to get up to, to speed to know yeah. how to speak? Uh, speak yeah. your own language, but speak uh, it in a certain way. Yes, we did. But let me go back to the guy okay. that wanted to starve. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't <laughs> want to starve to death. Uh, uh, he uh, uh, he was talking to his friend there, and uh, uh, he said uh, he said they want us for a special uh, uh, special work for us to do, and uh, he said that uh, probably what they will do with you and I. He said, they'll make me a general, and uh, you'll probably be a corporal. Uh, he didn't know anything about the, how the army and military worked. Uh, but uh, when, uh, when uh, the Navos uh, uh, were inducted into the Marine Corps, uh, they went through the same boot training as uh, any other person coming into to the Marine Corps did. So went through that uh, however many weeks it was. I believe it was eight weeks, I'm not sure. Uh, but went through that same training. And uh, then after, uh, after the boot camp training was finished, uh, the Navajos were assigned to uh, Camp Elliott, which is uh, near San Diego. Uh, and that's where the, uh, the uh, training for uh, uh, communications and the Navajo Code Talker program uh, was uh, was held. Yeah, yeah. Then you were there for a while before you were sent out to the Pacific somewhere. Is that where you went? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, the uh, the the Code Talker Code, Navajo Code Talker School uh, lasted. Uh, uh, in the beginning, it was a longer period of time. Uh, probably it was uh, maybe maybe almost a year. Maybe not, not, not that long, I, I don't remember exactly. But uh, as time went on, uh, the training period was uh, shortened in order to get uh, these, the, 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 these people over uh, to the battlefield. And so, uh, um, when, uh, uh, when I went in, uh, the training period was uh, just about uh, four weeks, maybe six weeks, and then we were ready for what today they call deployment. Back in that day, it was shipping out. Uh, so, uh, uh, the, uh, <clears throat> of course, the, the, uh, the Code Talker uh, program was tested uh, when, when, uh, when the code talkers, when the Navajos would finish the school, then they would be tested 
in a field situation, a, uh, a simulated combat situation. And uh, they were doing this when uh, the, uh, the Coast Guard of California, all the West Coast, picked up uh, their signal uh, and it confused, confounded, and did everything else uh, to those people. They, they thought, well, it's, uh, the signal is coming in strong. That means they're right here. And the language, we don't know what it is, but it's probably Japanese. So we've probably been overrun by the Japanese. And so they put out a red alert. And uh, uh, so they, uh, I, don't, I don't know how they uh, determine who to look for, but they looked for the, the Navajos that they knew were in the Marine Corps. Uh, that was, uh, like we said earlier, uh, not understood by anybody, but maybe 30 of the uh, traders with the Navajo people. And so they, they, uh, they found uh, two Navajos. I don't know why they didn't find all of them, but they found two Navajos. Uh, probably these two Navajos were, were, were guys that, you know, like to talk about what they did when they shouldn't be doing it <laughs> down at the bar or something. And uh, so anyway, they found them and uh, they began interrogating them, just like you do any, any prisoner begin interrogating them, Navajos would give uh, name, rank, and serial number. That's all they give, because it's the first thing you learn in the military. And uh, so the interrogators were getting quite frustrated. In fact, uh, uh, back in that day, you know, you could do things that you can't do today. Uh, you could take a guy out and shoot him uh, if he didn't cooperate with you. And that's what they were ready to do. Uh, when, uh, like in the John Wayne movie, I suppose, or Calvary came just in time, the officer that was in charge of the Navajo Code School uh, showed up, and he said, uh, "He said these are my boys. You leave them alone." And uh, so they didn't do anything there. And then they shipped them uh, off to uh, Guadalcanal, and uh, Guadalcanal was the first. Uh, uh, actual test of the uh, code under actual battlefield conditions. And uh, uh, in all of this, uh, it, was, uh, it was highly secret. Uh, now, uh, the, uh, I understand that at White Sands, that the security was, uh, was really more than anything had been before. But the Navajo Code Talkers was even more than that. Nobody knew. Uh, most of the officers didn't know. Uh, uh, maybe the top officers were the only ones that knew uh, about the, the Code Talker program. So uh, when they arrived on the battlefield in uh, Guadalcanal and began uh, transmitting, it uh, confused everybody. Uh, officers didn't know what was happening. Uh, Japanese didn't know what was happening. Nobody knew what was happening. Code talkers didn't know what was happening. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it, was, uh, it confused a lot of people. But uh, it, it helped to, uh, uh, to uh, gain the victory over uh, the Japanese on Guadalcanal. And uh, so, uh, at, the, at what the military calls a debriefing, the officers, most of the officers said, this is too much trouble than it's worth, and we don't want to do it. But uh, uh, clearer heads prevailed, and uh, uh, the clearer heads said, we can use it. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a code that uh, the Japanese can't break. And uh, we're going, we can use it. Let's go ahead and do it. And so uh, it was used uh, on every uh, engagement of the Marine Corps uh, against the Japanese on every island. And uh, they never did, never did break it. What, uh, 
I think I remembered, what did the Japanese think they were hearing when they heard the Nav? They, they, <laughs> they didn't know. They, they really didn't know because uh, uh, the, uh, uh, anything pertaining to Native Americans uh, was, was not known uh, around the world. Uh, maybe a little bit in some schools, uh, universities, but uh, it wasn't uh, commonly known. So they didn't know what language it was. Uh, they didn't know who to look for. Sure, yeah. So. yeah. When, then when did you enter the Pacific theater of the war? Where were you at once you shipped out? Where did I go? Yeah, where did you go when you shipped out? Uh, where did I go? Yeah. Uh, went to, uh, went to Guadalcanal. Okay. Uh, and uh, then from there to different other places like, uh, uh, can't think of these names, uh, uh, Peleliu. And uh, my last uh, uh, place uh, while the war was on was uh, Okinawa. And so you were there transmitting messages on yes. Okinawa and other places? Yes, that's right. But then like at Okinawa, how many Navajo might have been there to, were there, Several of you, or how did, how did well, that work? Well, um, the, uh, the uh, Navajo Code Talkers were assigned in, uh, uh, to, uh, from, uh, say, regiment uh, to uh, uh, division headquarters. And uh, then there were others assigned to uh, command ships, uh, like on some battleships and so forth. Uh, but uh, uh, on the field, uh, it went down to uh, to regiment, but then from the regiment, uh, many times it would go out into the uh, line companies, and uh, so so probably on Okinawa there would be uh, at at the regimental headquarters level there would probably be maybe ten maybe maybe fifteen uh, Navajo code talkers. Uh, I guess there's a lot to do up, up that high. <laughs> uh, but down where I was at, uh, at a battalion level, uh, there was uh, only two of us. Uh, and that's the general way that uh, the distribution went of Navajo code talkers. So, um, and you were with a radio operator, I guess, at the battalion level that helped uh, get the messages back and forth? Uh, yes, well, uh, there, 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 there were radio operators, and then there were code talkers. Uh, radio operator, he, he, he would do mostly uh, uh, Morse code and uh, maybe a little bit of voice. Uh, but, uh, but the code talker, uh, uh, although we were trained in, in all phases of communication, uh, on the battlefield, we we just we 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 did uh, code talking sure. there, and and so uh, there'd always be two uh, at uh, at the uh, battalion level. Yeah. yeah. What kind of messages then were you sending back and forth? Uh, we'd send messages uh, um, like. Uh, uh, say if, uh, if uh, there's a big battle for, for a hill and uh, we would secure that hill and we'd send a message saying that hill number XYZ or one, two, three uh, is, is secured. Now, uh, that message in Navajo code uh, would drive Navajo crazy. Uh, he'd think, well, what's wrong with that guy? He, he would understand the words, but he couldn't make any sense of, of, of it at all. For instance, uh, uh, hill uh, two, three, four, make it simple, uh, uh, secured. Uh, so hill uh, would, be, uh, would be encoded with a combination of alphabet and, uh, and the word, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, well, uh, uh, I've talked a little bit about, uh, about uh, the composition of the code. Uh, there would be uh, an alphabet 
that would be based on the English alphabet, but would substitute Navajo words like uh, A, the letter A in English. Uh, we would have three Navajo words for, uh, 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 to encode the letter A, uh, which would be, uh, in English, it would be apple, ant, and axe. But in the Navajo language, it wouldn't be apple and so forth mm -hmm. there. Uh, but uh, it would be, it would be, uh, it would be something that would uh, start with the letter A. And uh, so uh, for horse, uh, that would be the code word for the letter H. So we want to, we want to say uh, hill. Uh, so we use the uh, code letter for the letter H, which is horse. And then we have I-L-L, -L, sick. So we would say sick horse. That's hill. <laughs> and, uh, sick horse, okay. Sick horse, then we give the number of the horse that's sick. Uh, hill in this case. Uh, and secured. So secured would be done in a similar way uh, for, uh, uh, we'd divide that up into uh, uh, use the alphabet and, uh, and then the, uh, the, uh, the term itself. So uh, we want to say secured in the code. And so we would, we would use the uh, Navajo word for sheep uh, that would uh, be encoded English S. So we have English S. Uh, that's uh, uh, S there. So then we need to cure it. So we use uh, 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 cured. So uh, uh, hill, so forth, secured. So we have uh, a sick horse that is cured. That's hill secured. What did, what's that sound like in, in Navajo? Can you give us an example of what it would sound like then? Yes. Uh, I'll say uh, hill one two three is uh, secured. Thintatsa. Uh, uh, now that's horse sick. Thintatsa. The bebe not not the bad sheep, Benah's eyes, is healed. It's not the Thindatsa. The baby not not the. So, anybody hearing that say, well, that, that guy's going going nuts. Because <laughs> he's talking about sick horses and cured sheep. Yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> now, uh, there was uh, there was an Navajo who was not a code talker. He was uh, with the New Mexico National Guard uh, on uh, Bataan. And of course he was captured with all the rest of the, of the American military force. Uh, they took him to, I believe it was Nagasaki, which was uh, the, um, the Imperial Japanese uh, Communications Center. And uh, they didn't know what nationality he was, but his name was sounded very Oriental, and uh, so uh, they, they, uh, you know, they they killed a lot of the uh, of the prisoners that the, uh, that survived the death march of Bataan, uh, but they didn't kill him. They kept him alive uh, because they thought, well, he's the key to this code. And uh, so they'd torture him uh, for, I don't know what period of time, a long time, do all kinds of things to him. And they'd say, uh, if, you, uh, if, you, if you tell us who these people are and, and what they are saying and help us to break this code, they say, we'll give you anything you want. Of course, they'd have killed him anyway. But, but he says, uh, he survived all of that. And uh, he attended a couple of our meetings here in, in, in this country. 
And uh, he said, the coat talkers saved my life because as long as I couldn't tell them, they kept me alive trying to get me to tell them. But he said, uh, he said, uh, I couldn't tell them. I couldn't tell them what the Navajos were saying. Uh, and, but even if I could have, he said, I wouldn't have told them. Now that's yeah. dedication. Yeah. yeah, because it would, he would have understood the words, but he wouldn't have understood what the words meant. That's right. Putting them in that's right. different orders. Yes, yeah. 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 Well, did they, because there was a good number of the U.S. military that didn't understand what the code talkers were doing, did they, did they finally figure out uh, that they had the code talkers there and what they were doing, or was it always kind of a mystery to some of them? It was kind of, it was a real mystery. Uh, there was a um, there was a an aviator uh, with the uh, with the Air Force. Uh, he flew off of a uh, off of a um, uh, what do you call it a carrier, uh, a, a carrier yes, and uh, <clears throat> his father was a, a trader with Navajo people, so he knew the Navajo language. He could he could understand. Um, a lot of it. Uh, he knew what language it was when he heard it. And so uh, he reported that uh, as he flew over some of the islands in the, in, the, in the Pacific, that he heard a Navajo transmitting over the radio. So when he'd come in and land on the ship, he'd go and report that to the CO. And the CEO said, you didn't hear any Navajo. You didn't hear anything. He said, forget it. And of course, that was an order. Uh, but it, 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 it happened over and over. And so uh, the, 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 the guy, he didn't know what was happening. He thought, well, maybe, you know, it's this uh, battle, battle fatigue is what they, they, they used to call it. Uh, but then one day he came in uh, off of a mission and he decided, he said, I'm going down to the radio, radio room and I'm going to see, going to find out. So he went down there and there was a Navajo sending a message in the Navajo language. So he goes up to the CO and he tells him, he says, Navajo in the radio room transmitting a Navajo in the Navajo language. CO says, there's no Navajo in a radio room doing anything. Forget it. And uh, so he, he, didn't, he never forgot it. He couldn't forget it. So 26 years after the war ended, uh, he could breathe freedom again, freely rather, because he knew that he had this battle fatigue and he's losing his mind, but it really was the Navajo uh, transmitting there. And uh, so uh, uh, nobody knew. Uh, and uh, as, far as, I, as far as I can determine, that was the only time that somebody actually saw a Navajo uh, sending a message. Now, uh, uh, there could be a radio operator right next to you. And the Navajo uh, code talker sending a message, but in the turmoil of a battle, you're not paying much attention to what the other guy's doing. Yeah. But you just wonder, well, I wonder what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and for how long after you came back home, you were not allowed to share yeah. what you'd done? 26 years. 26 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, we didn't tell anybody when, when we were... Uh, uh, being uh, discharged, uh, that was uh, one of the, uh, 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 I don't suppose it was an order, but uh, we, were, we were told, don't talk about it. And we didn't. Uh, 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 there, there were, there were uh, I had two other brothers that uh, were code talkers, but uh, we didn't say a word one to another about what we did. And uh, to uh, our parents, they never knew. Nobody knew until 26 years after the war was over. And then they said, well, uh, you guys can go ahead and talk about it now. And uh, so I said, uh, and kind of joking, 
I guess really joking, said, well, I'm glad they gave us 26 years to make up some real good stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, after World War II, did they, why did they decide they didn't want to use it anymore? Was it they afraid that people would well, talk or uh, they would figure it out? Uh, after World War II, it uh, was felt that uh, uh, the, the code talkers uh, might be uh, useful in other conflicts. But uh, uh, after this uh, long time, many years elapsed, uh, many other uh, technological advances had been made uh, that uh, the code talkers uh, were really not needed anymore. Uh, and uh, besides that, uh, the language was uh, uh, being broadcast and studied all over the world in the universities. Germans didn't have to come over here, uh, but uh, it was taught right there in, uh, in the universities of all the countries. Yeah, yeah. You came back home then. Uh, how many, how many, do we know how many Navajo were part of the Code Talkers uh, then? I know you couldn't talk about it at the time, but how many do you believe were? There was probably, uh, uh, well, there was actually between uh, 400 and 500. Okay. And were there any, were there some Seminole or were there any other natives out, uh, Native Americans out of, outside of the Navajo that spoke code? Um, there, there were a few, okay. uh, but uh, but those like I pointed out earlier uh, were 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 not successful uh, because they didn't develop a code. Uh, the Navajos de actually developed a code, uh, and uh, it, it, it was written down. However, that uh, uh, the written code was. Uh, it was locked away in a safe someplace. I mean, you, you didn't have a book out on the battlefield. Right, right. Well, and they had already devised, is this right, that, like you said, when they first got together, they had words that you didn't have in your language for a machine gun or a bomb. Right. They had to make them up or they, they made a word associated yes. with it. Uh, for instance, uh, f uh, in the, uh, it, it'd be divided from uh, things in the air uh, things uh, on the surface, things uh, on the water and in the water. Uh, so, uh, uh, for a uh, for a mm, fighter plane, uh, the uh, the code word uh, for a fighter plane was uh, uh, hummingbird. And because you know, a hummingbird can hover and move, maneuver and so forth. So, so that's what the code order was there. And uh, for battleship, it would be uh, uh, a submarine was iron fish, so forth. And, and so, so we, we, we looked for uh, things that had a similar characteristic of uh, what was on the battlefield, sure. uh, a, a tank, uh, became a, a turquoise, moves slowly, has his own armor, and so forth. <laughs> Interesting. Did, talk for a moment about when you came home, did you come back immediately? I'd like to talk a little bit about the church and how you got established here. Okay. Did you come back home immediately, and, and uh, the church and the school and so forth, or when did that come about then? Uh, church and school came about quite, quite a few years later. Um, but uh, when uh, when when we got home, uh, we <clears throat> we didn't know exactly what we wanted to do. But uh, uh, the war, the things that happened in the war, uh, opened a lot of doors in our minds that we could do. Before that, uh, we were classified as. Uh, as uh, non-achievers. I mean, uh, not just uh, low achievers, but non-achievers. And uh, so uh, there, were, there were a few that, uh, in spite of that, uh, achieved. Uh, uh, some had uh, gone to college, but not very many, very, very few. 
But uh, then after the war, we realized that there are many doors that we can, that are open for us. Uh, but uh, uh, we, didn't, uh, we didn't settle on anything uh, real quickly. Uh, so, uh, so my brothers and I, we, uh, we worked at uh, different, uh, different things. Like, uh, we even worked at, uh, uh, what, what do you call those people that cut down timber and so forth? Like a lumberjack. Lumberjacks, yeah. yeah. Uh, we worked at that for a while and so forth. Uh, and uh, then uh, uh, probably about the last thing we did before, before uh, we moved into different uh, directions, I'm talking about my, my brothers and I, uh, was to operate a uh, a trading post uh, in uh, way in the backlands, up in the mountains. Uh, we started that during a time when uh, 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 I, I don't know if you, if you know uh, what a pinyon tree is. Uh, it's a pine tree that has uh, uh, nuts on it. It's called a uh, uh, a, uh, a pinyon tree. And uh, the nuts are called pinions, and they sell at a pretty good high price. And so uh, there was a bumper crop uh, that uh, particular year, and we decided, well, we'll uh, just set up a trading post right in the middle of uh, of uh, where all this bumper crop was going on, and we did, and we we, we did that for a while, and uh, then uh, uh, after that. I decided, well, uh, you know, this, this is not really what I want. Uh, uh, I, I always wanted a lot of adventure. And uh, young people, a young person, any young person wants that. And uh, so I want to find out what's uh, over the horizon. So I wanted to do that. And uh, one of my brothers had, uh, uh, he didn't serve in combat, but uh, he went into the Marine Corps when he was uh, 12 years old, and uh, uh, he forged his mother's our mother's name on that uh, permit and so forth. So they took him in, 12 years old, and uh, but uh, but but soon, uh, you know, my mother kept uh, saying, "Well, uh, he shouldn't be in there," and, and so they said, "Well, we'll give him discharge." So he did, but later he went into the uh, 82nd Airborne Division. Uh, he was a little older than 12 then, and and so so uh, then uh, when when he was discharged, and we'd talk about that. Uh, we didn't talk about what we did in the war. Uh, we knew we, we were told not to do that, but we talked about what he did, and uh, so uh, we compared uh, Marine Corps and 82nd Airborne. And uh, his, he said his was the best, his was the toughest, and so forth. And so they, well, I go see, find out. I want to find out. So I went into the into the army, and I served uh, in the army airborne, and uh, and went to Korea, and uh, then uh, after uh, after about a year and a half in Walter Reed Army Hospital in uh, D.C., uh, I still served for another couple of years, I believe. And uh, then, uh, then I became a Christian. I was born again. And uh, when that happened, uh, 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 the Lord called me. Uh, I knew in my, in my heart, uh, in, in the deepest part of my being, that the Lord said, I want you to do this. And, uh, and so uh, that's... Uh, uh, that's when I, I uh, took a, mild, a uh, medical retirement. And uh, then uh, uh, I enrolled in, uh, in, enrolled in, uh, in the seminary. And so uh, that, uh, that's where uh, uh, this, uh, this church and so forth uh, had, uh, uh, had its beginning. But it hadn't. It didn't begin right then. I, I did other things in the ministry before that, like pastoring churches in different places and so uh, that type of thing. But in 1960, uh, that's when uh, when uh, I knew that uh, uh, this was the place that the Lord wanted me, and uh, I was a pastor 
in, uh, in a Baptist church in Oklahoma City at that time. And uh, so uh, resigned and came out here. And so are you still pastoring this church then? Uh, no, my son is pastoring this church now. Okay. And uh, uh, I, I do other things, you know, sure. uh, I like uh, working on building the military academy, uh, helping other people uh, begin uh, uh, missions and churches in places that nobody else wants to go. So, well, it seems like you're still plenty active in what, uh, what all you're doing. So, yeah, yeah. My, my wife says I'm too active. <laughs> well, she, she says a person, a person your age, ought to be ought to get settled down and get in the sit in the rocking chair and drink coffee. <laughs> uh, uh, Morgan, do you have any questions? Because Morgan, I know, is fascinated about the story too. Any things that you'd like to ask before we move I do not, but I can listen to you talk all day. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, uh, maybe I should ask you are there any things maybe we haven't asked you or <clears throat> we wouldn't know to ask you that we should work in? If not, that's fine, but uh, there's so much of the story that we, we wouldn't know yeah. to ask. Well, uh, I guess there are a lot of things. Uh, that we could say uh, that uh, um, I could tell you about my website, sure, which uh, <laughs> which we don't have uh, perfected yet, but we're working on it, and uh, it'll 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 talk about uh, about uh, what we're doing. It'll tell about uh, the uh, military academy, and uh, and. Uh, uh, we're also working on uh, on uh, a uh, Native American uh, military museum, and, and that'll be uh, focused on uh, Native Americans that served in the military. Uh, and uh, so, is the website on this pamphlet that you sitting? Uh, uh, the the museum is not on there, but that's, okay. uh, that's a different bro brochure. Uh, but uh, those are, are some things that, that we're working on. And uh, 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 the school that, uh, that we have been operating here, we haven't uh, done that. We haven't been doing that for uh, the last several years because of, uh, of uh, the economy. I mean, we don't have the money to do it with. <clears throat> but uh, uh, our, our curriculum is such that... Uh, uh, we will take a, a child uh, that, uh, say, they've been in public school and they're maybe at uh, fourth, maybe fifth grade, maybe even more, and they can't read. And so we, we, we'll, we'll uh, get them in, into our school. And in, uh, in the first semester of classes, uh, they will have learned to read. And by the end of, of the year, uh, they'll be good readers. And uh, so uh, that's, that's what, we, what we want to happen. Because if you can't read, there's not much else that you can do. Uh, and so that's what we're working on. So our school, uh, you know, uh, today, there's this thing that they call, uh, what do they call it, Common Core. Uh -huh. And common core is nothing but common sense. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing new, uh, but people treat it as though, well, uh, this is really going to be good and we can do this. When uh, uh, the uh, teachers in what they uh, term the old red schoolhouse, I believe that's what they call it, uh, uh, they did that very same thing and people, uh, the, the, the students learned. And uh, that's what this school uh, uh, has been doing, and, and uh, will can will get reinstituted and continue uh, to do that uh, there. So uh, that's uh, that's one one big project that uh, we're involved in. Sure. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, this has been very fascinating. I've really yeah. enjoyed, it, and I appreciate the time you've taken to visit with us. I. Uh, I, uh, uh, I hope you don't get tired of sharing the story because I know there's so many and, and hopefully some others this way will get to hear it too with the, the, the broadcast that we'll do of it too. So uh, 
Yeah, it's, uh, I could I could sit and visit for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, but, uh, well, it, uh, it's uh, what makes it a good story is that uh, it's factual. It actually happened, uh, and uh, uh, the the legacy is there. And uh, uh, I'm. Uh, <clears throat> I'm vice president of the Navajo Code Talkers Association, and uh, we're we're uh, we're working on a, a lot of things uh, in uh, in that area also. Well, and hopefully it'll continue to push. I know I've read about that, so hopefully it will continue. I know it's a slow process sometimes. But yes. Yeah, but. Sometimes the things that are worth worth doing take, yeah. do take some time. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing, uh, uh, one thing that uh, doesn't bother me, but uh, uh, gives me a lot of thought, is that that people will say, well, "You code doggers did a great thing," you know. Without uh, what you did, well, uh, where would we be? And say, "We we we want to help you. And how can we help you?" Uh, but that's as far as it goes, uh, and uh, th those that want to help, they keep wanting, but they don't do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a lot of life, you need more doers and not as many talkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs>